everyone, and welcome back to HOA It's a True Story. We are absolutely thrilled today to welcome back John Hansen, partner at the Dallin and Jacobson Law Firm in Sacramento. We're talking with John today about the ever-growing personal cameras that people are using for security. Who's really watching and what are the rules? So welcome back, John, and thank you for joining us again at HOA It's a True Story. Thank you for having me. Also joining us today is our own Bill Mann of GB Group. Thank you, Reagan. And I'm your host, Reagan Brown. Okay, so John, you're going to be speaking on this topic on a panel at the upcoming California Association of Community Managers, CACM. Is that correct? Yes, we have a, a panel on this topic for one of the educational during that conference. Do you want to take a minute and tell us a little bit about your background and why you're going to be speaking, why you're qualified for this? Yeah, my background is in representing associations as general counsel. In that representation, we deal with security issues quite a bit. Everything from if someone's committing a crime to what the association can do to prevent crime or to respond to crime. And then what we have to do to allow homeowners and to secure their property and to protect themselves. Prior to working to represent homeowner associations, I was a district attorney in Sacramento. As a deputy DA, I prosecuted crimes, conducted jury trials, and had a lot of opportunities to work with law enforcement. So that helps inform my background as to how to approach crime issues in community associations. Well, obviously, this is a growing concern since it made it to a panel discussion at a statewide association. <laughs> So what is the concern? Why are people getting worried about these security cameras and security in general? Well, crime, I think, is always a concern to people. It always has been. But the more we hear about crime, I think the more concerned we get. And crime trends have, have ebbed and flowed over the past five and 10 years. Some crimes are up. Some crimes are down. The good news is things like homicides seem to be going down recently. But property crimes are going up. And, and there's a variety of factors that go into that, but people are, are quite concerned about property-related crimes, especially they're concerned that someone may break in and they may be there. And they could be, uh, could go from a property crime to something much worse. There's also a growing amount of security devices that people can have. And you can't walk into Costco without seeing 10 different security displays in front of you. So it's becoming more on people's minds and they're having more opportunities to protect themselves and their property. Well, isn't the low cost of entrance now also something that's increasing this as well? You know, before putting in a kind of a security camera system would have been a huge investment. And like you said, now you can walk into Costco and they're right there when you walk in the door. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It used to be a thousand dollars an electrician and a lot of work to put up a camera system. And for a hundred bucks, you can have a camera up on your front door in, in half an hour. Well, we could talk about all levels of security, but I really want to keep focusing on these. I'm going to use the word ring camera because it's the most common, but like you said, there's various kinds that you can buy at any of the stores. But let's start with policy. Since that governs the do's and don'ts inside of an HOA, first, are there any legal rules that the board needs to be aware of from a state law perspective? There are, and you won't necessarily find it in a particular statute, but it's it's coming from, from California case law and from the California Constitution. And our two guardrails on either side of us when it comes to security cameras are the right of homeowners to use security measures to protect their property, and also the obligation of the association to keep the common area safe, 
And on the other side, our guardrail is the right of privacy and the expectation of privacy that comes with places around our homes. And so we're working between those two guardrails to find ways to allow effective security measures for both the development as a whole when it comes to the association and homeowners that they're allowed to do certain types of security improvements to their property, whether it be lighting or cameras or other devices, and how we find that balance to accomplish both those goals of security and privacy. Does this mean that they should have a written policy or are they just following a state guideline? Well, you can get by without a written policy, but it's better to have a policy in place because when you have a policy in place, it manages the expectations and it helps avoid disputes later. So for example, if you had a community where you had a certain aesthetic, so there's a certain paint scheme that was in that development, you may want to only have a white camera or a black camera. And that's a simple thing for homeowners to know, hey, when I go to Costco or when I go onto Amazon, when I have a choice between the black or the white camera, I need to pick the white one. And something as simple as that can really help avoid disputes later. Because once someone puts a camera in, getting them to take it out and replace it, you're asking them to incur a lot of cost. So that simple step can not only help maintain the, the look of the community, but can really save homeowners some money. Other things to consider too are, well, what areas can a homeowner view? Because when a neighbor sees a camera go up, their first concern is that person is looking right into my windows. And so if we have a policy in place that says, here's the areas that can be viewed and here's what you have to do, it'll help also address the concerns of those who aren't installing cameras to know that there is some guidelines in place as to where the cameras can go. There's such a different setup at every association. You know, you could be looking at people that share a foyer or it could be individual walkways coming up. But as a resident and somebody has a ring camera that I feel a little bit is intrusive, they could be watching whether I'm coming and going, when I'm home, when I'm not home. And it could very well be my neighbor I'm concerned with. Yeah, and that's absolutely a concern. And that, that's, that's that guardrail on the privacy side of things because people wanna have their privacy. And so a guiding principle to consider is what the law protects is a reasonable expectation of privacy. If I'm walking out my front door and I'm walking to my car, anyone can see that. Anyone standing outside can watch that happening. And so there's really no expectation of privacy, even if it's common area, somebody out walking around, anyone sitting outside could observe that. It's different though, when you're talking about private enclosed patio spaces or backyards where you may have a camera on a second story that's looking down, there behind a fence, you have an expectation of privacy that no one is, is really watching you. So there's a balance there to find that and it's helping homeowners understand, we can't stop your neighbors from seeing you. If you are outside of your four walls, people can observe you, whether it's on a camera or them just sitting out there watching you, they can observe that. But when it comes to things like windows, private patio spaces, maybe a camera that like looks directly into someone's door if it's open. There's things there where we have to have that balance to protect that privacy interest and to help homeowners understand what level of privacy they can expect. So John, privacy is a good thing. In the old days, when you put up a video camera, you used to always put up a sign saying you're being videoed. Is that something that's actually required that you're telling people you're there being videoed when they're coming onto an association property? And how's that work back and forth between the association and the homeowners? 
It's a great question. And generally speaking, no, there's no requirement in residential developments to post signs that say this area is under video surveillance. It may actually make sense to do that as a deterrent factor that people know. Most people would expect these days there are cameras everywhere, whether it's at an intersection or on someone's front door or when you walk into a grocery store, you're being filmed most of the time throughout the day. So there's some expectation that that's occurring. Where you run into issues, though, is if you are doing audio recording, which a lot of devices do. Mm. If there is audio recording, there's actually protections in the law that you cannot record a confidential conversation without the consent of all parties. So for example, if you had a, a camera inside of a private office that was recording things that were being said behind closed doors, you could have an issue there if someone hasn't consented. Versus if you had a camera outside at a, at a common area pool, Anyone who's talking at that common area pool, anyone with an earshot can hear that conversation. So that's not necessarily a confidential conversation. But it's important to keep that in mind that if your devices do audio, you should have some kind of notification up if the area is going to be confidential. Hmm. The other thing to consider, too, is most cameras you can see. So if you can see it, you know you're being recorded. You don't necessarily have to have a sign announcing that because someone can see a ring doorbell very clearly when they walk up to someone's front door. That's assuming they know what a ring doorbell is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what about the fake cameras? Do they fall under these same policies? Fake cameras create some different issues. Some people may want to put up fake cameras on their own homes, and that's that's up to them to do that. There's going to be the same issues, though. If someone sees a camera and it's pointed at their backyard, they're going to assume it's filming. So you're going to have to address it the same way, regardless of whether it's fake or not. Because frankly, if I look at a camera, I don't know if it's working or not. I don't know if it's unplugged. I don't know if it's fake or real. So you're still going to be dealing with the same issues. When it comes to common area and the association, the fake cameras create more potential issues. They, there's a possibility of liability there because when someone sees the common areas being monitored by cameras, they start to develop an expectation of safety. They may feel more comfortable walking to their car late at night when they think the area is under surveillance. They may think, I'm a bit safer now because of that camera. And if that camera turns out to be fake, then they had a false expectation of safety and that's where there can be some liability. So for associations in the common area, you don't you don't want to do fake cameras. You want to make them real or don't do them at all. Okay. There's so many nuances to this that I can see where it would be really important for an association to consult with legal counsel to make sure that they have all the inclusions and a pretty clear roadmap that meets their association needs. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. With this issue, you're dealing with security and safety and crime on the one hand and privacy on the other, which are two very significant, highly important issues in our society for good reason. And so it's always important anytime associations are dealing with policies on cameras, stalling cameras, regulating cameras, to always get the attorney involved so that way you can have advice on your unique circumstances and how those associations should be regulating that. Because we can talk about general topics today. But it's when the rubber meets the road where there are lots of nuances that it's always important to have an attorney involved in these discussions. 
you brought up the color of the cameras and stuff like that. So let's say I've got a luxury high-rise building and they have, you know, fancy doorbells that are all integrated with their lit unit number sign and everything else. And I'm a unit owner and I want to stick my ring doorbell on my, you know, black walnut paneling outside and the architectural committee <laughs> says, no way. <laughs> yeah. Do they have that ability in a high-rise building to do that, to restrict it basically from an architectural perspective, or do they need to come up with some kind of a item that works for the community? I think the latter is the answer. To come up with an item that works, you want to stay away from saying no to cameras, because even if there may not be crime in the community, and I've heard that where boards have said, we don't want to allow cameras, our neighborhood's very safe. The cameras aren't always there to catch third-party criminals. You could have a situation of domestic violence or of a stalker situation where someone may not be a sort of an ordinary criminal walking in to steal your car. It could be someone who is a friendly face that you may want to know is coming to your door. So for those types of communities, what I would say is do some research, get ahead of the issue before someone starts installing them. And now the horse is sort of out of the barn, everyone's installing these, but try and get ahead of the issue as much as you can and come up with a device that works. What I've seen on a lot of new developments is developers are putting these in just standard across the board on, on particularly on single family homes. And what I've noticed mm -hmm. is, is developers have found these really nice small models that are about, you know, maybe, maybe in two inches by four inches, very small, very narrow, black, pretty discreet. And those have a much, much lower impact on the aesthetics versus some, some of that are much, a much bigger piece of equipment. So I think it would be wise for boards to find a particular device that works and tell all the homeowners, here's the make and model of a security camera you can use. Other ones are not allowed, you know, and find one that's in the range of, of reasonable prices. Don't pick the, the gold plated one that costs $10,000, but pick one that, that's in the right range that people can get on Amazon. They can get it at Costco. They can, they can find it pretty easily. So if somebody is not adhering to a policy, I could see where a board may not want to make any action against them because this is kind of new and they are supposed to be crime deterrents. Can this end up backfiring on the board if they're not taking action? Yeah, I think that it can for a couple of reasons. One is if the board is, has not been paying attention and maybe has a set of rules in place that may suggest these are not allowed, People may not be installing them because they think that they're against the rules. So mm -hmm. it's important to have a policy that lets people know you can install cameras, but here's the parameters for doing it. Where you could also run into issues is if you don't have some reasonable guidelines on privacy, that before you know it, you could have somebody with multiple cameras around a single family home, for example, <laughs> um, that are looking in neighbors' backyards. And then you're trying to get them to pull cameras down. And I've had to go through those fights before of telling somebody, you know, you're allowed to have cameras, but you have 15 and you don't need 15 and you're looking <laughs> in your neighbor's backyard and you want to avoid that. So having those rules in place, it's easier to stop someone before versus having someone have to pull down a system that they spent a lot of money on. Is there any, are there any case law incidences between HOA and homeowners on cameras yet? that's come down? Not that I'm aware of. There was a case recently, which sort of gets onto the same topic. It was in another state. It was a federal case dealing with uh, a reasonable accommodation for a disability. And in that case, the disabled homeowner had a, a severe anxiety disorder that was aggravated by the threat of crime in her community. 
And she wanted the association to put up, I think it was like 13 foot tall cyclone metal fencing with barbed wire across the top because she was so concerned about crime. And a court said, maybe, maybe you have to do that to accommodate the disability at, at the person's expense. So that's the type of thing what we're seeing is that courts are now starting to face this issue of security measures because people are concerned. But as far as cameras go, I'm not aware of any case directly on point with cameras. There was, though, a case in California on lighting, which would be relevant to this issue. And that was many, many years ago. Uh, it's called the Francis T case. And in that case, the homeowner wanted to install security lighting around her condo. And the association actually should have been installing the lighting because it was a common area improvement, but the association didn't want to, to maintain the aesthetics of having a low light community and didn't want to have a lot of bright lighting. So they said, no, they wouldn't. Homeowner said, well, let me install it. Board said, no, homeowner installed it anyway, was ordered to take it down. And then in the cover of darkness, she was assaulted in litigation then came out of that. And, and what the court said was you have to allow reasonable measures for crime and security and the association has a duty to prevent crime in the common area for foreseeable crime. It's not an absolute duty. There's a lot of nuances there. It's going to depend on each community. But I could very easily see that case law reasoning being applied from lighting to a camera. So we do have some cases around the edges that we can use to inform us about cameras. So HOAs should probably consult their attorney before they say no to a homeowner that has a request on a security item, it sounds yes. like to me. So, yes, they should. Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking about is if the recordings are requested because of an alleged, you know, crime or something, are there legal disclosures that are required or do the homeowners even have to turn over any of their recordings? Do they own them at that point? That's a great question. And there's, there's two sides to that issue. And when it comes to a homeowner's recordings, that's their property, that's their information, we could not compel them to turn it over unless we're in litigation, we could issue a subpoena and require them to turn over those recordings under a subpoena. Similarly, law enforcement could ask for them, they could say no, but law enforcement could compel it by a subpoena. And potentially law enforcement could actually subpoena the company that monitors the camera. So for example, mm. on, on Ring, if you subscribe to a certain ring level, uh, ring subscription service, they store all of your video recordings in the cloud. And so ring actually has possession of those. That may be a method as well to subpoena them directly from the source. So there's not necessarily an obligation right out of the gate to provide those, but at some point they could be compelled through the legal process. The other side is on the association's recordings, because what often happens is the association will have cameras. And homeowners will say, I want a copy of the video from the camera in the parking lot because my car was broken into. And the question is, do you have to provide it? And there's a balance there. On the one hand, we want to help our homeowners. We want to take action that's going to stop crime in the community. But on the other hand, we have to be aware of the fact that somebody may be requesting recordings for nefarious reasons. Like they're trying to see what their spouse was doing one afternoon when they maybe <laughs> thought their spouse was up to something or that maybe someone who's who's stalking someone else in the neighborhood and they're trying to see where they went. So you have to you have to find out why do they want the recordings and should we disclose it to help deter crime? And there's so there's some balancing there as well. I had an interesting situation happen with that. So the homeowners went out one night, they hired a babysitter 
the babysitter turned the homeowners into child protective services because they came home intoxicated. And then mm. child protective services came and requested a copy of, well, actually had a subpoena to request the copy of the video camera of them when they came into the building and went up the elevator. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Unbelievable. Yeah, That's it was crazy. like, I was like, talk about invasion of privacy and big brother watching. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow. John, we've talked about a couple different scenarios already today, but do you have another story you would like to share with us for our HOA It's a True Story? You know, the, the cameras can come up on a variety of issues. Uh, I had one recently where a neighbor of a homeowner, the neighbor had a boyfriend, I guess, who lived with her, and he was always doing odd things, always kind of upsetting the neighbor, but there wasn't ever any clear CCNR violation. But the neighbor finally started checking her ring doorbell uh, recordings and discovered that this, this boyfriend next door had a strange habit late at night where he would go out of his condo, uh, walk across the pathway past the landscaping and go into the landscaping. And that's where he would go in and urinate every night. It's strange, <laughs> strange <laughs> habit. Not really clear why. At one point, I think he said it's because his he's called it his roommate. He said his roommate was not very nice to him and he wanted to get out of, out of the house. And so finally, because of those recordings, we had a way to say to them, you need to control your tenant. We have evidence of him doing these nuisances. We didn't have evidence before. So the cameras came up because this elderly neighbor was was checking her ring camera late at night and would see this this goofy activity. And it would mean it was harmless. It was just he was just urinating and it's not, not a big <laughs> problem for the community. But those cameras do come in, come into effect to help enforce the CCNRs every once in a while. And so you may have those situations where it's not necessarily crime you're catching, although that, that probably is a crime urinating in public, but nonetheless, it can help enforce your CCNRs as well. So every once in a while, you get a, a secondary benefit from having cameras up. You know, I just had one more thought. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I happen to have one of those ring cameras. And when you sign up for it, you can sign up to share your video with neighbors in the cloud, right? So they put you in a, um, a certain area and then you can distribute that to other people. So let's say someone's stealing packages, then you can put it out there. Hey, be on the lookout for this guy in this car. Is that a breach that HOA should be aware of too? Because now you can put it out there and maybe make you know the guy urinating in the bushes very embarrassed and humiliated if the lady had shared all that information. That's an interesting issue. And I think that there are some concerns there. When it comes to homeowners sharing their videos, let's let them do that, leave that up to them. But I've had re requests from boards where they've said, we have video of some teenagers in the pool and they were causing trouble and throwing pool equipment in the pool. We want to put a picture of them up on Facebook to have neighbors identify them. And the answer is no, we don't post pictures of kids. We're not doing that. Those the lineups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because first of all, with children, you have to be very, very careful about sharing any kind of, of media. Mm -hmm. Second of all, we have to be careful about posting a video of someone that we think may be doing something wrong. But what if we got it, what if we got it wrong? What if we posted the wrong video or maybe those people weren't doing it? And you, you're exactly right. Not only could we embarrass someone, but we could potentially be defaming them by accusing them of, of a crime or of causing damage. 
by putting those videos or or pictures up. So you have to be very careful about how that information is shared. Generally speaking, the association should should keep its videos, whether it's it's a full recording or a, or a snapshot photo, keep those private, use them as needed, but don't do that. Don't publicly share them. No, my HOA does that. I'm going to have to tell them to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the takeaway that I got today is that you should definitely, definitely meet with your attorney and have a policy in place that everybody understands and agrees upon because it would be really easy to get caught into doing both good and harm. Yes, there's a lot of value from cameras, but there's a lot of, of risk and some issues as well. So you're exactly right. There's a balance there and we can get a lot of benefit if we manage it appropriately. Well, if you would like to hear John do a deep dive on security overall on your association, we highly recommend you attend John's presentation at this year's CACM Law Seminar on February 9th, 2023 to learn more information. Or if you would like to reach out to John directly, you can reach them at their website or through email at www.bayjacklaw.com. And that's B-A-Y-J-A-C-L-A-W.com. All right. Well, thank you again for coming back and sharing with us. We completely appreciate it. And what great topic. I know there's a lot of people out there getting ready to install their Christmas gift of ring cameras. So this will be a good topic for them to kind of get on board with. Thank Thanks you for again, having me. John. Thank you.